It's your boy, Sean, joined by the man who puts the laughter in manslaughter, Steve OG. Howdy. <laughs> You're so enthused all the time. Join us as we open the Extreme Wrestling Archive, ECW Hostel City Showdown. Alright, so this took place June 24th, 1994. Thousand people in attendance, which is, I think, at capacity of that bingo hall, or Viking Hall, or the ECW Arena. Or like an empty warehouse. <laughs> Full of goods. Last time, we did, uh, what did we do last time? When I would, just, just, I would just like to point out that this took place eight days before O.J. Simpson committed murder. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's important. That is. That's a, a landmark a in tidbit. U.S. history. A tidbit. Yeah. A factoid. So what? He did, what, July 1st? June 12th. You said this was June 4th? June 24th. Oh, so it was 12 days. After, After committed murder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, last time was When Worlds Collide. Champions at that time, your television champion was Mikey Whipwreck. And your champion this time is still Mikey Whipwreck, believe it or not. So he made it all the way between two shows. Two. Tag team champions. Last time, the public enemy. This time, the public enemy. So they also made it. Maintained. Maintained. Defended successfully. There you go. And your ECW world. No, he's not a world. He's just a heavyweight champion. Warehouse champion. <laughs> uh, was the franchise Shane Douglas. This time, it is still the franchise Shane Douglas. Because he never defends it. Like a boxer. Yeah. He maintains he, it. He, uh, he just makes appearances. Collects. <laughs> and collects a check. He's always in tag matches. You know what though? That's a that's a solid strategy though. He's fighting or whatever, but he's never defending. So he collects a paycheck, but never actually is in jeopardy of losing his title. Which as long as you're if you're a champion you make more money. Obviously you probably make more money, right? Yeah. Nice. First up, we have Tommy Dreamer versus Hack Myers. Hack Myers is your typical goth emo, chunky kid. And he's billed as being from the last house on the left. Did you ever live on the last house on the left? No. Tommy Dreamer, he comes out to Evenflow by Pearl Jam. How are you? You're pro real music. I am pro established music. Yeah, as opposed to like... Faux. Yeah. <laughs> As some, opposed to some your, something on your, the synthesizer. Somebody's brother-in-law's band who made it in their <laughs> garage. The wedding singer type thing. And he is billed as being from Dreamland, USA. Which we've determined is Kansas. Has to be Kansas. Yeah, okay. When in doubt. <laughs> so Dreamer, he uh, gets a Rangers jersey from a fan, I think. Um, and he proceeds to stomp it. So, obviously, everyone in Philly is going to be a Flyers fan. Didn't the Devils win the Stanley Cup that year? Or was it the Rangers who won the Stanley Cup that year? I believe it was the New York Rangers. They won? Mm-hmm. Look at you. And the Vancouver Canucks. They were a team? 
Yes. For someone that hates hockey, how did you know that? How did I remember that? Yeah. Because I remember the O.J. Simpson. <laughs> I knew it was going to The O.J. Simpson um, Bronco chase taking place during oh. a Knicks-Rockets finals game the day after the Rangers won the Cup. Won the Cup. All right. So we start off with um, some slapping. Hard slapping. Is that a good way to start the match off? Absolutely not. <laughs> what would your strategy be? Blunt force trauma to the face. That's what slapping no. is. Closed fists. Oh, okay. Or like a blunt object, like a, a bat, like a like a meat hammer, or a metal bat, like a meat tenderizer. No, a meat hammer. What's a meat? Hammer? Same thing, but bigger. <laughs> so Dreamer actually, after some slapping, throws his coat on Hackmeyer's face. So he blinds him. Hackmeyer's then like Irish whips him blindfolded into the rope. So that seems pretty difficult. He successfully did it, only to be bulldogged. By Tommy Dreamer. This sends uh, Hack Myers to the outside where he calls for a timeout, which is always my favorite in wrestling. Calls for a timeout. Styles takes the opportunity. Joey Styles, that is, on commentary. Takes the uh, opportunity to take a jab at WCW and WWF. So he talks about how this isn't shown on the Disney Channel, which, believe it or not, WCW was filmed in Universal Studios at the time. You believe that? I can believe that. <laughs> okay. He says this also won't be shown on court TV, which Vince McMahon was going, I think, through a lot of legal troubles at the time. I know he had, there was a sex scandal, and then the steroid issues, which were in 92, 93, and I think by 94 he was in court. He also had another, like, there was like multiple sexual harassment suits against him. So Dreamer, pretty much with his basic, just graduated from wrestling school, Offense does the uh, like textbook hops, whips and hops, <laughs> whips, hops, hip tosses, what have you, rest holds, uh, what are they? like chin locks, things like that. Just your basic maneuvers that don't really show any. Well, I guess they show your progress from school, but he hasn't graduated to the next level yet. But then he does follow it up finally with an awesome neckbreaker, almost like a rude awakening type thing. Hack, he does get in uh, some offense, and then he starts, like, getting some cheers going. You know, I like it. I do like Joey Styles. He does, like, acknowledge it that Hack is getting some uh, cheers. And he says this may be the start of Hackamania. You think he could be as big as... Hulk Hogan? No. I think it's a terrible thing, too. <laughs> what, Hulkamania? No, Hackamania. <laughs> Alright, well, the hackster, he drops a leg on Dreamer, who is draped over the bottom rope toward the outside. So that was a nice little ditty there. Styles say Hack is taking it to the streets. Have you ever seen anyone utilize a leg drop in a street fight? No, but I've heard the song, Taking It to the Streets. Yeah. So you don't think, like, Kimbo Slice, when he was coming up, was using leg drops? Never. No. <laughs> Couple rest holds by Hack, uh, until Dreamer hits a uh, pretty stiff low blow, which I thought was kind of weird, because he's supposed to be, like, a baby face. They're, but I, I don't know if that's, like, the Philly ECW mentality, or even the faces kind of cheat, or use maneuvers they're not supposed to. Hits a nice DDT 
And then he kind of hits like a, a, a gay looking sunset flip, but only gets a two count. Dreamer, he finally does win with your favorite move, the Superfly Splash. I hate that move. <laughs> Made famous by, of course, your favorite wrestler, Jimmy Snuka. I hate, I hate him. <laughs> Dreamer gets the victory after the Superfly Splash. What were your thoughts on on that match, if you remember anything? I remember not enjoying it. and I was, yeah. very, I was very happy when the second match began. <laughs> so, not a fan of Dreamer? No, I like Hack Myers. I thought it was a good opener. Nothing like too crazy. You don't want to blow your load in the first match, you know. I like to start in quick. Yeah, yeah. You will. You like to blow your load. Yeah, because if not, you get bored quick. But then you can't live up to the rest of it. No, then you have to um, set the bar high and then maintain the bar. Yeah, actually, be the bar. Actually, I remember hearing about this. Terry Funk used to get pissed because he was like mostly always main eventing and whatever, and he's like. All the opening matches were like so high, like fast paced and high moves. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What do I have to do to top this shit?" He would start right. getting pissed. So. Exactly, that's what it should be. <laughs> so, Pack he did get in a little bit of offense. There was some rest holds, which were, eh. but then uh, I do like how Tommy Dreamer won with the Superfly Splash. Because you mean falling off of the, the turnbuckle? Because <laughs> if you remember, which you probably don't. He was the first person to kick out of the Superfly Splash, and he was bleeding internally. So that was a big spot, and now he, after he absorbed it, now he's allowed to use it. Kind of like... He absorbed the move? (laughs) Yeah. Any other thoughts on that match? Anything? I do not recall. Okay. (laughs) Next up, we have the Chad Austin versus Donnie Allen with... Emo ref. He's going to be a, a fixture on his show. An emotional referee. Yeah. He looks emo. Uh, this match doesn't really get started as 911 hits the ring and choke slams the ref again, just like he did last time. Per, per usual. Yeah. And then he hits a double choke slam on Chad Austin and Donnie Allen, which looked pretty sweet. Uh, 911, he's about to choke slam the ref again, but Todd Gordon comes out and he shoves Paul E. And then nine one one choke slams Todd Gordon. Can I just say that the choke slam is the most disrespectful thing you could do to a human being, and I love it. Really? Yeah. Worse than spitting on somebody. Yeah. Wow. So he choke slammed his boss. I like how Joey Styles is like, wait, let <laughs> let him sign my paycheck first. So, but imagine just if you went to work and choke slammed your boss. No. You wouldn't do it. You like your boss. Yeah. Oh, okay. He hits a second one, and then Dreamer hits the ring, only to get a choke slam. And then the crowd starts chanting nine one one. We've gone into this before. How it's confusing. <laughs> Very like, confusing. Are they cheering for the guy, or are they calling for? Help? They sh- like at this point, you should be calling nine one one because there's like bodies just strewn everywhere, but no medical personnel shows up. So. But the police could also come, too. <laughs> oh, that's true. Or a fireman. All the, type, all the first responders. <laughs> respond first. So, again... Uh, you know you know who we never give any love to? The second responders? Like who? Huh? The news, like the newscasters? And no, like people. the people who get there like a little bit late. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> like the second ambulance. <laughs> that was probably out grabbing lunch or some yeah. shit. <laughs> 
That's true. There's not a, there's not a charity for them. No. Because they're they're late. Uh, you know what I want to do? I want to buy watches. Watches for the second responders. For the second responders. Are you gonna have them engraved and shit? No, just so they they're better at time. Oh, <laughs> that's gonna be a, that would be a good charity. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So you assholes can show up quicker. Right. Someday you'll be a first responder. Right. They're like the JV <laughs> team. They didn't quite letter. Right. They're the JV team of responding. Yeah, okay. All right. Next up, we have the pit bull with Jason, the sexiest man on earth, versus the Tasmaniac. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Pitbull, he comes out to Thunder Kiss 65 by White Zombie. It's a decent tune. I like it. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I am familiar. Oh, you are familiar. Taz, he comes out to Breed, which I believe I believe it's Breed by Nirvana. It plays so quickly that... And the... I mean, the god-awful video and audio quality of this tape... You can't really tell, but I think it's Breed by Nirvana. Taz, he bum-rushes the ring, only to be double-closed, like, chain-clotheslined by Jason and uh, the Pitbull. You know, they're holding it out. So you get some, like, chain action, which I know you're a big fan of. You know how I feel about chains. <laughs> I despise them. No, you unless, I'm them. Playing, unless I'm playing Road Rash on Sega Genesis. You like the chain? Yeah. I kind of like the Billy Club. You love chain. You love chain punching and chain whipping. I do and not. chain choking. I do not. Yeah, you do. No. Every time we've had it, you've... Like, no, I, say, I dislike it because the chain's always too long. It's stupid. <laughs> Were you aware this was a dog collar match? Yes. Oh, you were? I wasn't. The pit bull, he actually puts the collar on Taz's neck. So that was very, very nice of him to do that for him. Pitbull... Which I, at this spot I thought was hilarious. He like tosses Taz over the top rope, you know, and he's like, yeah! And then because they're connected, he ends up fucking going overboard with them. It's kind of like an anchor. Classic Wiley Coyote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we get into the first bout of uh, chain choking. And then Pitbull, he hits a pretty nice chair shot on Taz and then slams his head into the mat. But because Taz is not from America, he has a very hard head. He's from like the he's an islander, so you know islanders have like Samoans. They have really hard heads, apparently. Is there science to prove that? <laughs> I don't. I don't think. Uh, I, have they a I have a feeling that that is a old wives' tale. Yeah, but then Taz he doesn't. It doesn't hurt him, and he ends up clobbering. Is that a word? Yeah, clobbering. The pit bull, because I think, and then he headbutts him. Because, you know, he hit his head, didn't hurt, so of course his head is very hard. So he headbutt the pit bull, and that hurt him very much. So the head was harder than the floor? Yes, correct. Transit property. I wonder what, what kind of science experiment would you do to. Like an autopsy? Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Check the thickness of the skull. Pitbull, he grabs a sign that is about him. Like a poster board sign? Yeah, not even a poster board. What's it? Just a paper. Yeah, like <laughs> a sheet of paper? Yeah. No, what is that? That's not poster board, is it? The, the like little thicker than paper flimsy. Yes. Oh, it is. It's not quite as thick as poster board. It's just. Anyway, 
Resume e. paper? <laughs> there you go. It's a glossy. A glossy. Parchment? <laughs> a glossy parchment. So he kind of holds it up to the crowd and then hits Taz over the head with it, which Taz sells this time. So having his head rammed into the mat didn't hurt him, but getting hit with poster board knocked him out. What's the deal with that? It's a lie. <laughs> Maybe the shit's fake. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Maybe it was a paper cut. <laughs> Ooh, a vicious paper cut. Yeah. So, back in, they get back into the ring, and then Pitbull, he starts hitting the corner. So, apparently, I didn't know this either. In a dog collar match. You gotta hit all four. Yeah. He makes it to three, but gets interrupted. And then Taz gets to three, but gets interrupted. Then they start with the shitbull chants. Excuse me? Shitbull Instead of Pitbull, they, they chant Pitbull. So is that punny? Uh, it's a play on words, I believe. A pun? No, a pun is a, is a type of a play on words. Oh, so that's more general. Okay. I, I like how Styles though, on commentary is like, I can't quite make out what the fans are saying. And, then he's, like, and then he's like, oh wait, yeah I can. And I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> it's kind of funny. The Pitbull, he hits a nice belly-to-belly. On Taz, and then pins him. So apparently you can pin two in this match, which doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Well, he gets a two count. Uh, he does his like back karate kick, and then gets the wah karate thing going, which is your favorite spot. Actually, I like it. It's Adrian Lucci. Yeah, Pitbull hits an awesome power bomb, which looks even cooler with the chain on Taz. Then he starts dragging him around to hit. The turnbuckle, so he's got Taz kind of, like, choking him, but, like, carrying him on his back there. Hits three turnbuckles, but what he doesn't know is that Taz is also hitting three turnbuckles right behind him. Tied. Yeah. So they get three and three, and then he's going to touch the third, which leads to a belly-to-back Tazplex, and then he gets a three count. One, two, three. Yeah. So... Him, like, sneakily touching all the turnbuckles plays absolutely no part in the ending. Zero. <laughs> so, you know, like, a lot of times with those strap matches or whatever, that's usually how it always happens, is they sneakily hit the turnbuckles mm-hmm. or whatever. But they were doing that, but then he ended up pinning them anyway. Kind of killing the whole... Need for a strap. <laughs> Need for two. After this, we have someone bum rushes the ring and attacks Taz. So we find out this is actually Pitbull Two. Two. If you were in a tag team, what, how would you feel if you were number two? I would feel fine. Yeah, you wouldn't feel inadequate no. or inferior. No, but you're not number one. You're number two. I'm be- maybe I'm a better model. I'm version two point Like t- the second Terminator. That was better than the first. Huh? Was that better than the new first? model? Yeah, he could liquefy himself. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. Like you're an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Version two point <laughs> Pitbull one, Pitbull two. They continue to work over Taz, and then hang him over the top rope. You know, basically trying to kill him uh, as Jason mugs for the camera. <laughs> Which I feel like if I was to be like included in the murder. That this would be me, like, taking selfies. Voguing? <laughs> In front of a thousand people? Yeah. 
You do the murdering, I'm just gonna sit here and mug. First, so for this match, what were your thoughts? For a chain match, which I generally dislike, it wasn't bad. Yeah. I uh, honestly, at the beginning, didn't really know this was a dog collar match. Until, because he's always comes out with the dog collar. But when he stra- it was kind of funny when he strapped it on Taz's neck. I was like, oh. And then what was weird was that you could touch all four corners, but also pin. So that was just a little odd. As always, these two are, like, they throw good suplexes, which is, I love those moves. I love good grappling holds <laughs> and throws. Um, not a terrible match. But, you know, this feud's been going on for kind of a while. You know, Taz cost Pitbull the television title to Mikey Whipwreck, so they've been kind of feuding. And then Taz also attacked Jason and bit his face previous to the last super card. So I love continuity of storylines, continuations, and escalating in matches. So they had, like, a normal match. Now it's it's still going on, so they have a dog collar match. Intensity still going on. Building. Not we're not hitting a denouement. Yeah. Yeah. So next up, the Bruce Brothers versus Shane Douglas and Curtis Hughes. I was dreading this. I hate Curtis Hughes. Wow. He's my snooker. Wow. Yeah. And that's not even like racist, I just hate him. Tell us how you really feel. I just did. Okay, so Bruce Brothers, they come out to uh, War Pigs by Faith No More. Good song. And then I think Shane Isn't Douglas... War Pigs by uh, Black Sabbath? I think they both do it, but I think it was originally done by, by Black Sabbath. Was it? But I think they, they come out to the Faith No More version. And I think uh, Shane Douglas and Mr. Hughes come out to, like, Tina Turner. <laughs> Uh, so it was ridiculous. Alright, so we basically start off with all four men brawling. Black, he, you know, because they're black and blue brews. Black throws Douglas uh, through a table. Like, almost 30 right, seconds into right the match. Right to, right, to the, right to the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all four finally make it back into the ring, and then we start, like, a traditional tag team match with tagging and what have you. Blue starts off with Hughes. And they have a horrible exchange. Like, Hughes is just awful. Can't sell. They don't work well together. Hughes looks absolutely fucking winded already. So he immediately tags out. This leads to another four-man brawl. And to the outside again. This is where um, the footage starts to get really fucking grainy and crappy. And this this vintage (laughs) footage. Definitely been dubbed over a couple times. Black and Hughes have another terrible exchange. Douglas, he actually gives Black a receipt and throws him through a table. Throws him through a table. Nice. So they eats went through a table. Two tables. Yeah. Count them two. Good One, thing this two. wasn't a uh, a tables match. They'd both be eliminated. Belly to belly by Shane, which leads into like the fourth or fifth time all four men just brawl. Because honestly... I don't even know why Shane Douglas is in this match, because he's like a wrestler, although he can still brawl, but the other three can't wrestle, so I don't know. They're just big dudes. Hughes, he's wandering around the ring like a a big dumb idiot, not doing anything. And then uh, we have a new version here by uh, Shane Douglas. He does some chair choking, 
as opposed to chain joking. So like he takes the the chair, chair <laughs> the, and chokes him and chokes him with it. Yeah. Okay. it. I had a feeling. <laughs> How did you know? I don't know. I just... <laughs> All right, felt it. <laughs> Hughes. He ends up choking Blue with his tie or suspenders. You can't really tell. Which ends up breaking into the seventh floor way brawl. And then Douglas, and I think it's blue around the outside, Douglas gets crotched on the guardrail, mm. which is a devastating maneuver. Mm. No one wants that. <laughs> so Hughes and blue with another exchange, which was just awful. This leads to a sidewalk slam by Hughes. Um, which he goes for the pin, but Black comes in and pretty much just like eh, kicks him, and then rolls Blue on top of Hughes and gets the three count. So Mr. Hughes, this big bad tough guy, loses to like a fucking dainty kick. What are your thoughts on Sometimes that? Sometimes it's your spirit oh, that wins. <laughs> his uh, his yeah, his physical being wasn't hurt. His soul was crushed, and that's what led to the three count. Mm-hmm. All right, what were your thoughts on this match? This match was almost 19 minutes. It was very long. Yeah. Longest match on the card. Yeah. Fucking, I mean, I know Douglas is in it, but I fucking hate Hughes. It was just long. It was too much outside. Yeah, like 19 minutes shouldn't be for, like, these people that can't wrestle. You know? So, for me, this match was awful. Um, Like I said, Hughes is my Jimmy Snooker. Can't fucking stand him. He's an awful in-ring performer. He sucks on the mic. He gets on the mic after it. Spits some terrible shit that I don't care about. Talking about how bad he is or whatever, which I don't think he's that bad. Well, he's bad. He's <laughs> bad, man. Not yeah, bad. he's not the good kind of bad. He's just bad. There was just too many fucking, too much brawling that wasn't even, like, fun or good brawling. Like, Douglas, I mean, it's kind of trying to showcase that he can get down and dirty with the best of them. But with these people, it's just not the match to showcase it in. And he's the world champ. Like, what's he doing halfway in the show in a fucking useless tag match? Not defending his title. All in all, thumbs down. Anything anything else from you? Steve OG? Bad billing. Bad uh bad okay. matchup. Just yeah. like the styles just did. Uh, yeah, it didn't even like it wasn't Gel. it wasn't interesting, you know, it was right. just not compatible. Alright, next up, we have a little more fun. We got Iron Man Tommy Cairo with Peaches versus Sandman with Woman. This is a Singapore came on a pole match in which Bob Artiste describes that the winner is the first person to go up and get the cane and then use it in any way he sees fit. How would you use it? Other than hitting somebody with it, what other ways do you see fit to use a Singapore cane? Like knock something off a shelf I couldn't reach? <laughs> <laughs> what do they use it for other than to beat things with it? Like beat That's what that's used for. That's the only use it, it that's why it was made. Mm-hmm. And the only use it has. It's a weapon. Okay. So, first off, um, that Singapore cane looks like it is like 40 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, they would literally have to shimmy up this pole, fucking get on a ladder, 
get, make, put some scaffolding out. Use an elevator to get to this fucking cane. You can just probably throw something at it, too. <laughs> it's not held up there very tightly. Yeah. Just throw, throw like a shoe at it or something. Sandman. Woman. They come out first. You can see the Sandman's entrance starting to come into fruition here. Although, he comes out to fucking Elton John. And it takes him, like, four hours. Yeah. four-hour introduction. Well, that's that's what his entrance is. It was is. the longest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> It, well, you'll see when he gets later when he comes, when Enter Sandman starts. It made it in. a two-part wrestling festival because <laughs> his entrance and then the show was over. And, yeah, and it, was it, like, was like, it was like Woodstock. <laughs> It'll come out the next day. <laughs> his entrance was the end of the show, and yeah. then it was like a two be continued. Yeah, and then the next day they actually started the right. match. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they yeah they come out to Elton John. The, the, the bitch is back. That's something my uh, mother would listen to. I remember. Um. He has his traditional pre-match smoke. No, no beer drinking yet, though. Does pose for some photos. Although, like you said, it is like a five-minute entrance. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. So finally, he uh, gets into the ring. Cairo and Peaches come out to "We Will Rock You." Who sings that? Yeah. Okay. Minus hard hats this time. Last time they had hard hats. Sandman, he flicks his cigarette at Kyra, which is degrading. Almost as degrading as a joke plan. Pretty close. Not quite, though. A lot of pre-match banter going on between the ladies and the fellas. Sandman, he, uh, as soon as the bell rings, he kind of, like, fakes going to do it and then just, like, lock up and then just turns around and tries to run up the pole, which I think is a great strategy. Go for the, the cane immediately. Yeah, that's, like, the goal. <laughs> that's the whole point of the match but he ends up getting like belly to back suplexed off the top by Cairo and then Cairo hits a spinning heel kick which sends the Sandman to the outside Cairo and then he hits a, a cool like leg drop from the apron to the floor which is devastating then Cairo uh, he tosses Sandman back in and hits like a cannonball type maneuver off the top rope where he just kind of like flips at him and kind of hits him with his ass in the face. Bill Cooper? <laughs> Cairo, he attempts to uh, climb the pole to get the cane, but the Sandman like immediately gets up after just having like these four high impact moves put on him. So, Sandman, not very generous. So, I mean, he popped up. So, uh, but then again, maybe, I don't know, he's probably drunk, you know? He's got beer muscles and. Impervious to pain, maybe? Cairo, he uh, throws Sandman out of the ring through a table and then proceeds to drop the leg on him. So I thought that was a pretty sweet spot, you know? A lot of um, throwing people out of the ring into tables on this show. Sandman starts to stalk Peaches after this and Cairo comes, hits him from behind, kind of knocks him to the floor and then drops... A leg to the floor, I think, for the third time. So the same man is getting pretty beat up here. Getting his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Same man counters it with his best offensive maneuver, which is a low blow. <laughs> Executed textbook. He hits a sling slingshot splash. You know, where he kind of... Slingshots himself? And then splashes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a little sloppy, but... Yeah, I don't know. The Sandman almost weighs 300 pounds. He's got a big fat beer gut. So for what 
he is, it's okay. I got some leeway there. Sandman, he attempts to climb the uh, pole again, but he gets a little blowed by Cairo. Hits him with some stiff elbows, which ends up actually dislodging the cane from the the pole. So they actually didn't even have to climb, which was nice, because, like I said, that shit was way up there. So it falls to the ground, and then uh, the ref proceeds to, like, stick it in the turnbuckle, so it's, like, sticking straight up. Cairo, he hits a uh, suplex off the top onto the Sandman. However, the Sandman was the first to get up and hit a move on Cairo. Boo-bam. So, and then after that, Cairo is the first man up. So, it was a little weird there. Not um, good, good psychology, ring psychology there. Cairo, he hits like a mega DDT on the Sandman. Super. So what a bigger. <laughs> yeah. Woman. Now, she slides the Sandman like a different Singapore cane, which would have been a made sense if the cane was still hanging on the pole, but it had fallen off, so it's like, like, using a different cane kind of was pointless at this point. But, you know, let's not, don't pay attention to that. Let's just stick to the original plan. Sandman proceeds to, like, cane the shit out of Cairo, ending this match in a no contest, which I, I don't get. Is it because he used the wrong cane? Yeah, probably. That that's why he's not declared the winner. Weapon. He used a cane as he saw fit. Not in not the cane. Though. Oh. A cane, not the cane. Peaches, she tries to get in, you know, and help Cairo, but uh Sandman proceeds to shove her to the ground, which uh, woman violence. I'm a big fan of. <laughs> Sandman has a or he has woman light him up a smoke. As he's caning Cairo there. Peaches, she proceeds to cover him up. Sandman then tosses Woman, the original cane, and she fucking whacks Peaches smacks, with it. Smacks me. So that, I thought that was pretty sweet. Peaches, she gets hit like in the back of the head. And then Cairo, he kind of gets up and chases the Sandman off. Or no, he doesn't. Excuse me. Cairo, he gets up. You can see his arm is like bloody as hell. So... That was kind of cool. Like, he bladed his arm. <laughs> and then... Sandman, he gets on the mic. Pretty much tells Cairo to pay his bill, which has been the lead-up to this. He keeps saying that Cairo's banging his wife and he's charging him money for it. <laughs> so, he proceeds to tell him to uh, pay his bill. Which, it doesn't look like he's got much Probably money. Not. I don't know why you'd wrestle money in your pockets. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so what are your thoughts on that match? Filler. Filler? It's a filler match. You're not a big fan? No. No. I love this match. Um, the Sandman, he's not a very good, generous seller. <laughs> uh, but Cairo, he did hit some nice moves. Um, it was nice to see the women get involved. Even on, like, hitting each other, what have you. Singapore cane is always fun. You know, gimmicks. And then, of course, some blood. Love blood. Bloodshed. Anything else on that match? No, sir. All right. Next up, we have the Public Enemy versus the Funk Brothers. And this is a non-title match. Oh, boy. Do you know who the Funk Brothers are? Old. <laughs> we have Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk. Just because Terry only trusts one person. Yeah. His brother. 
Correct. He's older than one. Because if you remember, <laughs> he is older. If you remember last time, he teamed with Arn Anderson. And Arn Anderson ended up turning on him. Mm-hmm. And that's when he said he was going to get the one person he trusted. His brother. So, the public enemy, they come out to slam Bionix. Remember that song? They do. Slam! Dun, dun, dun. Let the boys be boys. Funk Brothers, they come out to Fanfare for the Common Man by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I do not recall that. <laughs> I had to break into my dad's vinyl records to uh, get that one. Public Enemy, they're billed as being from the hood in general. So. Like a universal hood. The Funk Brothers, they're apparently together for the first time in 10 years. In the United States, anyway. So we started off with uh, Rock a Rock and Terry Funk, some pushing, shoving, and then Rock a Rock requests that Dory Funk gets in the ring. So Terry Funk tags in Dory, and we get a little crisscross, which just leads to a forearm because you know Dory Funk's old, can't do much. We have some more stalling, trying to. I guess it's okay because it's building a little tension. Grunge gets in, and this leads to another crisscross. Followed by another forearm by Dory Funk. So we got like a one-trick pony here. Because Dory can't move because his spine is fused from like all of the vertebrae. His osteoarthritis and fibromyalgia and muscle fatigue. And powder ribs. <laughs> a lot of headlocks in this match. A lot of headlocks. Low fiber. Low fiber. His bowels aren't moving. Slow start. Dory, he finally hits like some European uppercuts, which I think he did a lot of that. When in his younger years, in the days of yore, back in the fifties, <laughs> before um, television and kicking, <laughs> Dory, um, he hits a nice suplex on the outside on Grunge, only gets a two count. Terry, he's tagged in. He hits a somewhat dangerous but very awesome looking power bomb. It was almost like it was in slow mo. It was. But it was real time. It was it was real time slow. It was actually him moving at his fastest. Mm-hmm. But it looked like like it literally was like in sections <laughs> of a power bomb. Like if you were to do like claymation or something where you do like <laughs> one scene, take a picture, <laughs> then move them, take a picture. Oh, Terry Funk, like they're brawling on the outside, getting punched or whatever, but I like when Terry Funk just starts no selling and he's like he keeps telling him to hit him. I'm like, hell yeah, dude, that's cool. Nobody does that shit anymore. You're right in the kisser. <laughs> Why, I gotta. And they do this thing. Mm-hmm. They put their dukes up. <laughs> get back into the ring. Everyone, I think, has chairs at this point. And then we get a, a like a little fun dueling chair spot by um, Dory Funk and Rocco Rock. Continue to brawl. Some really nasty chair shots. Dory um, just got the chair because he wanted to sit down. <laughs> he thought they were playing like musical chairs. He just he just needed to rest. <laughs> this is like three minutes into the match. Right. <laughs> chairs flying everywhere. Brawling to the outside. Um, this is it, like I said. It's really tough to watch because the the tracking. Somebody didn't hit the fucking tracking on their on their Zenith television, the tube television. <laughs> Grunge and Dory, um, they're on the inside for a couple two counts. Grunge, he holds Dory for like a suicide dive, which I think is stupid. 
So Rocco, like, grunge is on the outside. He's got Dory Funk, like, in his grips. And then Rocco Rock. Did you say, bounce, gr- did you say grisp? <laughs> did I say grisp? Like a mixture of grips. <laughs> Grasps and grips. <laughs> yeah, what is grisp? And his graspy grisp. I love it. <laughs> So Rocco Rock runs off the other rope and then like is gonna jump over and t- like that would hurt you if you're holding somebody mm-hmm. and then some but of course Dory Funk moves out of the way and Rocco Rock just hits Grunge in the face. Th- then we cut to a very bloody Terry Funk who is just like upset. He's very upset. <laughs> no, he's he is upset, but he's in between the safety railing, just like like he's in bars in prison. Bust open, presumably from a chair shot, I would assume. Dory, he puts Rock in the famous, not ever going to get broken up or reversed funk spinning toe hold, Mm -hmm. which... He gets out of immediately. (laughs) Correct. Actually, uh, Grunge kind of knocks Dory out of it, but still. Fucking dumbest move ever. Is there a dumber move that that gets reversed as easily? Staring contest. (laughs) Uh, Polly nine one one hit the ringside, so that was kind of odd. But honestly, I don't know. Polly, I guess it's not that odd because Polly. Remember at the end of the last show, um, he it shows him paying off Public Enemy mm-hmm. to take out Terry Funk, so that kind of makes sense. Nine one one. He then proceeds to choke slam John Finnegan, the referee, so, for, sa- for safety reasons. <laughs> just just to be. So at this point, you can see Rocco Rock busted open. Public Enemy, they hit a double clothesline on Dory and pin him as Paul E makes the three count. One, two, three. Paul E. He's not. Uh, unless he paid his $3,000. He's a first responder. <laughs> or did he pay his $3,000 for ref school? No, he's just a first responder. He's, okay. So he's legally allowed to count a three. Yeah, you get a badge. Okay. Which responders have badges? <laughs> Uh, this breaks out into a brawl mm-hmm. um, as Dory then pins Grunge, in which Terry Funk counts a three. He's not a first responder. He's a second responder. Mm-hmm. He needs a watch. So that one doesn't count. And then this time the timekeeper rings the bell. So. <laughs> Match is over. But doesn't the ref have to call for the bell? No. Oh, okay. Just the, whenever the. It's like, it's like your first mate. Okay, they kind of... He has authority to ring the bell himself. Yeah, that's why they, they're in charge of the bell. Oh, but they have to be told to ring the bell. No. You know what? That should be included. This isn't, this isn't, like, the, this isn't like Crimson Tide. <laughs> you, that, should be, <laughs> that should be included in the, the school. Is manager, that's a, referee... It's a whole different school. And ti- the timekeeper shouldn't be included? It's a whole different school. <laughs> Timekeeping and bell ringing. It's like lawyers and doctors don't go to the same school. <laughs> that is true. It's a whole different curriculum. Mm-hmm. Okay. Grunch, he um, then chokes Dory with some tape. And it's like very theatrical. So the people all the way at the nacho stand can see. Because he's like... <laughs> Video then cuts to the eagle's nest. And this is where we get that real famous spot of... A body being f- thrown off. Yeah. Terry Funk hanging Rocco Rock by his feet from the rafters, which is included in our opening video by the awesome producer who made an awesome video, which is not me. 
You tooting your own horn. Beep beep. <laughs> the funks then uh, work over Rocco Rock uh, as he swings from the balcony like a pendulum. And then it looks like Funk Terry Funk gets a beer from somewhere and pours it all over his brother. So Terry Funk, not a heavy drinker like the Sandman or Stone Cold. Although Stone Cold really didn't get much in his mouth. He just bathed it. <laughs> yeah. So I actually didn't mind this match. What about you? You know how I feel about Terry Funk matches? Yeah. They're usually the worst. Yeah. This was better than, than that. Just a, a bit above. Right. You know how his matches are. Like, there's always a, a spot in there where he just... He needs to take a break. <laughs> no, where it just turns into, like, a cartoon. Right. When he was, like, no-selling those shots until the I was just, like, fucking Wiley Coyote. <laughs> the Funks, um, they were actually able to keep up a decent pace. Despite their age. I, I seriously, it was. <laughs> I, I thought Dory was just going to die. Yeah, like, none of them had, like, a massive coronary event. The Funk Brothers, they were actually showcased uh, pretty strong. Because the public enemy really didn't do too much, like, offensively. The grainy footage really, really did hurt the outside brawling. Because, I mean, it's all, like, black and dingy. And then with the, the tracking not being correct, it was kind of hard to follow. The nasty chair shots were nice. And, of course, more blood, which is always fun. Rock a rock hanging from the eagle's nest. I mean, that's a classic spot. I'm pretty sure they continue to show that throughout Over the time. Point. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite spots, which is why I also included it in the opening video there. Any other thoughts on that match? No. Okay. Next up we have Mikey Whipwreck versus the Rockin' Rebel. And this, this is for, for the TV championship, right? Yeah. See, the TV title gets defended, but not the fucking world title. And the TV title is being showcased after the world champ has been on. It's not... Paul Heyman has some... Like, he's not, he's not to where he's at. He, it's not proper etiquette. Yeah. Can you give me, like, a... a like, you know when there's a news flash or something? Like, that sound? When, like, breaking news? Dun, 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 like that? No, like, like I don't know. Like, oh, that, I mean, that's a uh, not like Morse code, but you know ship, when it's like hollow ships at sea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah, can you give me a loud one? Yeah, okay. So I got some breaking news on the Rock and Rebel here. I'm ready. Like current news. So June first, two thousand eighteen, police are called to a house in Southern Philly. Where they find a man and woman both shot to death in their home. Oh boy. So later we find out that it is actually the Rockin' Rebel and his wife. Apparently they had some kind of big argument, and I don't really know the details as far as that goes, but Rockin' Rebel actually took out a gun, shot his wife, and then shot himself. Oh my god. And this was at the beginning of last month. So, I mean, he was, like, well into his 50s. I think he was, he was, they said, the, the neighbors said they were, like, a real quiet couple. Didn't really hear him arguing too much, so. Really don't know the details, and I don't know if they ever will know the details. Of CTE. You think so? Because it, it could be. I mean, it kind of does remind you of, like, Chris Benoit. Yeah. yeah. So, 
But, I mean, it's still relatively early. I mean, that was only a month ago. Right. So the the details aren't that great. But he was still doing indie shows around the Philadelphia area. And he's, like, labeled as, like, a, like the tri, like a tri-state legend around the, like, yeah. well, Maryland. He's still doing this 25 years later. He's probably not right. Yeah. He's probably not what? Not right ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder... I'm sure they'll probably... Autopsy, if they can, I don't know where he shot himself. If he blew his head off, you know, can they still dissect a brain? Whatever. But sad story, you know. Yeah. Just a common wrestling aftermath. It seems like you don't really hear too much about the good things. Like, although it isn't a hundred percent wrestling, because then I mean, it's like ninety nine percent wrestling. But didn't uh, Junior Seau do something similar? There's a bunch of it about related, players and yeah, things like that. Related to CTE. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, just sad to see Chris Benoit style, you know. You see it more and more these days. Well, not as much as in the earlier 2000s, I think. But I haven't seen anything. Can you think of anything recently? No. Where there's been like a major... Because, I mean, the late 90s, early 2000s, was a ton of overdoses. Wrestlers being killed or dying of heart attacks, like overdoses, what have you. So this is the first time in a long time we've seen something like that, I guess. But still sad to see. And then it happens and you can see. But then you never really hear about the people that take a shitload of brain damage headshots, like The Rock, Stone Cold, Mankind. They're not crazy, so I don't know. Like That you know. <laughs> that's just, true. Being serious. But uh, yeah, like you see a lot of wrestlers that don't do that. And especially like indie wrestlers that are ten times worse, like going through light bulbs and what have you. Like, I don't know, you don't hear too much about them murdering their wives, so. But also, there's also the drug culture that comes with wrestling, steroids, abuse, and all that other stuff, so you don't really know how all that shit interacts. So, that's my breaking news on The Rock and Rebel. Is that a tear? No. Okay. Sweat drop. (laughs) It is getting hot in here. All right, so Rock and Rebel, he comes out to Jason's theme of What a Man. What a Mighty Good Man. Yeah. Who is that? Salt and Pepper, right? I do like how Jason came out first. Champ should always come out second. Should how it be. Mikey comes out to Loser by Beck, which couldn't be more perfect for him. So he's like limping to the ring. His gear doesn't fit. I love how the belt doesn't fit around him and everything. Dude, that's such a good gimmick, dude. Paulie nailed it with that one. Rebel, he starts off by uh, destroying Mikey. Pulls his shirt over his head, you know, which is a common hockey maneuver. Mm -hmm. And hits him with a sick-sounding chop. Joey Styles, (laughs) it's funny, he says, This is child abuse, which just made me laugh out loud. Power moves by uh, Rebel, like multiple slams, you know. High intensity, very hard hitting moves. Which, hits. yeah, which Mikey sells excellently. He looks like a fucking rag doll. Awesome pile driver by Rock and Rebel, and then he hits like his nasty looking spine buster. Jason he trips up Whipwreck, and then he tries to hit Mikey, but Mikey reverses it and hits him with a clothesline. So that is technically Mikey's first offensive maneuver. Caught live on tape. (laughs) (laughs) But 
he immediately gets uh, dumped out of the ring by Rebel and Jason. He accidentally hits Rebel with a chair, trying to hit Mikey. And Mikey begins to work over Jason on the outside. Rebel, he hits Mikey from behind and just continues to work him over to eventually causing the DQ. So, Mikey retains. But, I was watching the shows leading up to this, and <laughs> Rock and Rebel like cut an interview the week before, and he's like, I am not going to get DQ'd, I am going to win this title. Blah, blah, blah. Ends up getting DQ'd. So, he didn't stick to his strategy. You gotta go with the plan. Yeah. It's there. Taz, he finally comes in, saves Mikey, which in turn causes the pit bulls to come out, because you know they're feuding. Taz fends them all off for a little bit, but eventually succumbs to the numbers game. And the heels proceed to work over Taz for the next five to seven minutes. What are your thoughts on that? Quick match followed by senseless beating. Yeah. A good senseless beating, though. At least it makes sense. Right. Me? I love Mikey. Love his gimmick. How he's... There's no way he should be winning this title. Honestly, trying to think back the early 90s, like the big federations, I don't really see anything like this previously, where somebody who shouldn't have the title is... It was in fucking early 90s and 80s. It was... All it was was Hulk Hogan. Right, yeah. In the, and then, like, in WCW, it was, like, Vader and Flair and all, like, these... Everyone that was kind of deserving of a title. <laughs> He's hurt. He doesn't hit moves. But he still wins. That's goldmine. The belt doesn't fit around his waist. Always funny. It's like sagging down on him. He weighs 180 pounds. Like, I have 30 pounds on that guy. I also like how um, the title, it's being defended later in the card. Finally, we're getting... Because, I don't know, I'm sick. Like, maybe the TV title, that would be okay to have in towards the front of the card. But titles are at least the TV title. Although it's on, like, somebody who... Kind of doesn't deserve it, but you know what? He gets the crowd involved, so it's nice to see. But it's nice to see him being defended closer to the main event. Mm -hmm. Taz running in makes sense because he's feuding with Jason and all his peeps. And then Jason manages the Rock and Rebel as well as the Pitbulls. That all made sense. The heels leaving on top makes sense because that way the feud can continue, you know? I feel like most of the times the face comes out on top, I almost feel like that's like the end of the feud. But this leaves it open in the air, so we'll see what happens as time goes on. In the future. Correct. Any right. other thoughts on that? I'm ready for the main event. <laughs> Are you? I'm ready. All right. Next up, we have the main event, which is a dream match. Sabu versus Cactus Jack. Sabu, he's led to the ring in chains. No gurney this time. Usually they have them on like a gurney. Um, with 911 and Polly. And then Polly introduces himself and then Sabu, which I love. Cactus, he comes out to Born to Be Wild. Um, Crowd goes crazy. Yeah, I love how um, Cactus Jack is from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. <laughs> this, like, <laughs> this cowboy, like, looking kind of southern. He's, you know, he's from like Long Island, New York. <laughs> it's just so funny. Might be wondering kind of how this match manifested, came about. Yeah. You know Sabu, he's been destroying Terry Funk, everyone. He's been the world champion. He's hardcore. They can't find anyone that's um, 
willing to, or that's able to... Wrestle him the way he wants to wrestle. Correct. On his level. So, um, it's kind of funny, leading up, Paulie's cutting interviews and everything. He's like, because they don't know who it is. They didn't give away who it was at first. So he's like, oh, right, Abdullah the Butcher, you know, like, trying, naming all these hardcore people. Your boy calls out Stan Hansen, or Hans Stanson. <laughs> and then just other, other, um, famous hardcore people until finally he sees who it is on paper he's like no no we can't do it you know and then like it's kind of stupid how they introduce cactus jack because like no all the graphic comes up that says and sabu's mystery opponent is and then it shows him like opening the door to the set of wcw saturday night going bang bang like that's all the build-up is i was like that's kind of dumb but I don't know, it's 1994 UCW. <laughs> Basically, this was just a talent exchange between WCW and ECW. Cactus Jack is the current WCW tag champion with Kevin Sullivan. This was actually before WWF even started doing this, but they were kind of... WCW was interested in kind of having ECW as like... you know, Minor league. Yeah, developmental. So that's kind of how this came about. And it's just a dream match. No real other build-up other than just two hardcore people fighting it out. Cactus, you can see, come out. He's favoring his left shoulder. Really doesn't use it much. I mean, he was taking nasty bumps, like real nasty bumps at this time on the concrete floor. Brutal. If you watch some of his, like, Falls Count Anywhere matches, I highly suggest, actually, you could check out Mick Foley's, like, greatest hits and misses because he introduces the matches and then it shows a lot of his, like, more devastating matches so um sabu he starts it off with three kicks to the back of cactus's head uh then he hits a nice belly to back and a spin kick which sends cactus to the outside so we're starting this match off hot very hot he's coming in hot i can say that you haven't what? said a word in like 30 seconds listening <laughs> you're painting a picture i am i am Sabu, he teases a uh, plancha, but Cactus immediately moves, so Sabu corrects himself, doesn't hit it. Sabu grabs a chair, hits some pretty stiff, nice-looking chair shots. Uh, Sabu seats Cactus on a chair on the outside, much like they should have done with Dory Funk. <laughs> and then has Polly hold him as Sabu does like a suicide dive onto a seated Cactus Jack, which was a pretty awesome spot, and it got a nice pop from the crowd. So they get back into the ring. He hits his air sabu, which is where he puts the chair down. Person's in the corner, runs, runs out. jumps off the chair, and hits him with the side of his knee. Is that is that like a, a hard spot? Yeah. Well, I guess that'd be like hitting somebody with your elbow. Right. Sabu tries to hit a second one, but it is countered by Cactus Jack. He, which he counters actually with a butt thrust. So he thrusts his butt into Sabu and then gives us a back back. A back back. This leads to a cactus clothesline. You know what the cactus clothesline is? I'm familiar with it, yes. Yeah, it's where he clotheslines and goes over the rope with him. And a very nasty chair shot. So cactus, he this is a famous spot of his. Sabu's laying on the floor. Cactus is on the floor as in the outside of the ring. Cactus is on the apron. Proceeds to run and then drop an elbow onto the concrete, which is an awesome spot. I love it. 
cactus, he then smashes Sabu with a frying pan, mm. which I don't know where he got it from. I don't know where that came from either. <laughs> Who was cooking Somebody it? just brought it with them. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, were they planning on sautéing some know. onions? Or yeah, they were what? getting an autographed. <laughs> cactus, he then, after he hits um, Sabu with a frying pan, he proceeds to bash himself with a frying pan, getting over that he's a crazy mf'er. If you will. Well, I will. <laughs> you will. They do make it back into the ring, and Cactus misses like a cannonball maneuver, which I think we saw we saw in the Tommy Cairo match. And Sabu, he hits a one of his slingshot moves, which was a slingshot leg drop, but only gets a two. Cactus, he does stop Sabu from a moonsault, tries a belly to back from the top, only to be reversed into a crossbody. So like he's doing the belly to back, Sabu shifts his weight over, ends up landing on top. Which would hurt Cactus more, mm-hmm. I guess, based on wrestling logic. Both, um, they both dump to the outside. Sabu, he uh, grabs a table, puts Cactus on top of it, and then proceeds to, like, jump onto the guardrail, leg drop him through the table, which was fucking awesome. Got a huge pop. Biggest, biggest pop left. of the, yeah. They do get back in the ring. Cactus, he hits, oh, actually, you know what? They get back in the ring just to get a pin. Sabu, um, only gets a two count. They go back to the outside. Cactus hits like a stun gun on the guardrail. So, you know, like they pick him up by the feet and mm-hmm. drop him on throat area. Mm-hmm. Usually performed on the ropes inside the ring. This time on the guardrail outside the ring. Sabu, apparently he was the first one up. No. Hits a belly to back on Cactus on the outside. So On the outside. On the outside. <laughs> Sabu, he sets up another table, and then 911, earning his paycheck, puts Cactus on top of it. Sabu, he, uh, at first I thought he hit this, like he does an acai moonsault, which is a second rope moonsault to the outside, but this is through a table. I thought he hit it, but yeah, rewinding it, you can see uh, Cactus actually moves out of the way. And this was all the way over the guardrail, too, so this was a fucking awesomely athletic spot. Although he missed it, which is kind of dumb. I think, like, when you go all out for a spot like that, just let him hit the move. <laughs> <laughs> just don't try and get out of the way. So they get back in the ring, and uh, Cactus, he assaults Sabu with, like, a broken table. Or no, it, it hadn't broke at this point. But he brings it. it. Yeah. <laughs> he assaults Sabu with a table. Cactus, um, he hits an avalanche in the corner. But then he gets, like, clocked. Like, he's hitting the avalanche on Sabu, but for some reason they're still in the corner. Polly hits him in the back of the head with the phone. They, Sabu tumbles forward as Cactus falls back and pins him for a three count. And that's the end of the match. The end of an awesome match. <laughs> Polly, um, he continues to work over Cactus with his cell phone um, as 911 holds him down. Then Polly goes for like a running clothesline, which is kind of funny. Well, I don't know when Mandu. But like originally he was going to try and hit him with the phone, but he's like, nah, drops the phone. He's going to hit him with the clothesline. Um, Cactus moves out of the way, and Polly like hits 911, but flies like fucking, what do they call that? When like over theatrically, like <laughs> flies, like, yeah, he flops off of 911. Uh, it was kind of hilarious. I liked it. Nine one one and Cactus actually uh, brawl, and like for the first time, 
Cactus Jack, he's the first person that makes 911 look kind of weak. You know, like, or actually look hurt and takes punishment by giving him a nice low blow. So, 911 is human. Cactus, oh yeah, then he he hits um, 911 with the sickest chair shot of the night. <laughs> it's so fucking loud, and it, it cracked his skull, man. It was nasty. It was back of the head. I don't even think he, like, you know how they fold the chair up? Yeah. I think it was up. It was up. Yeah. Mr. Hughes then proceeds to come out to attack Cactus, but then Douglas comes out and stops him, which causes the Bruise Brothers to come out and those four brawl, which, I mean, we had 19 minutes of them earlier. I don't fucking need this any again. doesn't even make sense. They were, just, um, they were on the way to the exit. <laughs> They're on their way to the fucking concession stand. Sabu, he hits a springboard plancha and takes out everybody. everybody. Yeah. All of the people. The fives of fans that were at ringside. Uh, more brawling, and then we do catch a glimpse of Cactus pile-driving Sabu, which they say on the concession stand, which is just a fucking table like this. <laughs> <laughs> One table with six sets of nachos. So... That is the end of... The Innocence. No. That is the end of Nachos for the night. No more Nachos were sold out. <laughs> Cactus gets Sabu back into the ring. And then this is a cool spot we haven't seen yet. Sabu sneakily brings in a beer bottle with him and smashes it over <laughs> fucking Cactus's head. And it shatters. Sounded awesome. And man, getting hit with a beer bottle just... It hurts. Tempered glass. On the back of your head. Doesn't feel good. Nah. No. And then to make it shatter, that has some force behind it. 901, he throws a table into the ring. Um, and Sabu throws Cactus through it the wrong way. Like, through the back where the legs fold out and everything. So, like... <laughs> that would be more devastating. Because there's all brass there's sh- and bolts and like shrap- sharp things. Shrapnel and all the... It's not the safety of wood. Mm-mm. Sabu then uh, moonsaults Cactus onto that broken table, which I don't know. I mean, it's already broken in half. He just puts him on top of it, so. <laughs> it's just weird. And then Cactus proceeds to, like, suplex the table that's broken in half onto Sabu. Onto Sabu. It looked kind of terrible, actually. Worse, that was kind of the dumbest I like the idea. <laughs> yeah. A for effort, but. Or no. A for, like, thought. Effort and execution leaves a lot to be desired. So that's the end of the wrestling portion of the show. What were your thoughts on that? What were your thoughts on the match to begin with? The match was exactly what it needed to be for the end. Yeah. It was some brawling, it was some hardcore, but it was also like technically sound. Um, Sabu's just an athletic freak. Yeah, which and, I never uh, knew. You yeah, know? like I always thought he was just a guy that can go through barbed wire. When he jumped off of the 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 railing, yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, it was the best match of this event. Yeah, I did like it as well, and it was the best match of the night. A lot of action going on, although the end kind of. Um, I didn't like it, but you can kind of leave it open for um, something to like something in the future. Cactus actually, if you watch Mick Foley, his like greatest hits and misses, he actually wasn't. He thought he wasn't very satisfied with the match, or he thought a lot of people weren't satisfied with the match, and it was their um, 
their first meeting ever, so they they went on to have some fucking delters in the future, which hopefully we'll get into. I'm sure we'll see. Could have done without the Hughes, Douglas, and Bruce Brothers interference. Again, I don't like Hughes. Um, I loved how um, Cactus was put over like pretty strongly by taking out like nine one one. He was able like nine one one's been unstoppable up until now, and there's actually starting to show some weakness. Yeah, it's like a human being. Yeah, love the uh, all the breaking tables, broken bottles is cool. Like I said, the way Sabu won, um, it did make leave it open for some future matches. To have, like, maybe a, a clear-cut victory. Or a more hardcore match. So I guess we'll see. So, post-wrestling, we have uh, promos. Because, you know, the audio, the house mic is shit. <laughs> We've noticed before, like, when they cut promos in the ring, you can't really understand them. So why not just do some post-pay-per-view, like, taped, pre-taped? So that works you know, a lot Like, better. sound, video. Yeah. So Cactus, um, he gives a one of his most famous promos where he um, spits on the WCW belt oh, shit. and then throws it to the ground. Um, this really pissed off Ric Flair, who was his boss at the time. Uh, Mick Foley got in a lot of trouble for this. I guess what he's like, if Ric Flair actually saw the match, or saw the promo as opposed to just hearing, hearing about, about it, it. Yeah. He, he probably would understand what he was doing on. Uh, he said he lost like a lot of the world championship belt meant a lot to him, but he lost more like his pride mm-hmm. because he said he was the most like suicidal wrestler. He lost all these titles to Sabu because he lost to Sabu. So it, it was a good promo, really. Um, I mean, Mick Foley's pretty good on the mic. Yeah. Just getting over how getting over how he lost and he. He was supposed to be, like, the most hardcore person, but now Sabu is hardcore. Basically putting over Sabu. Uh, and then Pauly has a promo where he gets over how crazy Cactus Jack is. And then he talks about his hatred for WCW. And then nine 911's with him just standing there with his beautiful plush foot mustache. <laughs> which I think gave need, a lot to the interview. Needs more air time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he should have been, like, Pauly should have been, like, off camera. Just, just narrating <laughs> yeah. the close-up on the mustache. <laughs> I mean, this is like fucking Tom Selleck levels of push through. Nah, come on. <laughs> Not quite. Alright. So, the pay-per-view as a whole, what are your thoughts on that? Not my favorite. No? No. Which one do you like better? Last one? On the Bolt Collide? Yes. The Darn Anderson? Yes. Alright. I liked it. Much, much better, I thought. First match... It was a little bit of wrestling. I, I actually like Tack Myers. He surprised me, though. He had some good wrestling moves. He'll go on to be, like, a cult classic, I guess. You know how a lot of people like fucking the Rocky Horror Picture Show or whatever. He has his little cult following. ECW is already a cult following as it is, and this is like a sub-cult a subculture, <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh, there you go. It's a good word. We should, we should use that. We should trademark that. Chad Austin versus Donnie Allen wasn't a match, just a 911 angle. I did love how it kind of referred back to One Worlds Collide because it was emo rap getting joke slammed again. Pitbull versus Tasmaniac. Although the rules and match weren't really that clear, the wrestling and brawling was okay. It was enjoyable. It was easy to watch. 
hated the uh, Bruce Brothers versus Douglas match. Unfortunately, that was the biggest chunk of time, too. Uh, I, feel, I feel like those tag matches in like the last five of these, that's what, where everything just goes to die. Yeah. Like, like just, that's the that's the part of the show where I go take a shit. Yeah. Well, they're, they're always long up. matches, and they're, like, their tag team teams are just kind of weak. Yeah, they're not. They just need to not do those. Yeah, they're not, like, tag teams. They're just huge guys. dudes. Yeah. Mr. Hughes just drags everyone down, I think. When somebody's terrible... Like, you know how, like, when somebody's really good, it brings out the best in you? I think when somebody's really terrible, it brings out the worst in you. Terrible brawling, in and out of the ring constantly. Like, pick a fucking spot and stay there. Like, if you're going to brawl outside, brawl outside for a little bit. Especially I don't mind. Especially if it's supposed to be televised, you don't, you don't have very good camera. <laughs> exactly. Equipment. You don't have a fucking camera with a swivel. Why is the world champion in a shitty mid-card tag match? I mean, I understand a little bit, though, because they, they needed, the main event was going to be Cactus Jack. That's true. And then they had a title match right before that for the other title. They should have all the titles should be defended, yeah. though, on your rig cards. That's the point. No one other than Douglas can wrestle in that match. Cairo versus Sandman. This has been an ongoing feud incorporating the cane, which is nice. Um, Sandman can't really wrestle, but he still can come across as pretty ruthless. Woofless. Cairo, uh, he hits some nice moves. And him and Peaches, you know, they get the babyface crowd sympathy by getting their asses kicked with a Singapore cane. I love that women got involved. And, of course, that's where we got some nice blood shed. Blood. Just why was the pole so goddamn, like, why was the cane so far up on the pole? I mean, it was really hot. <laughs> Public Enemy versus the Funk Brothers. I honestly was dreading this match when it was about to come up. But it kept a good pace, especially for the Funk. It held my interest. This also had some storylines. And nobody from, died. Yeah. No one was taken off on oxygen. This had some storylines stemming from Worlds Collide, if you remember. When Terry Funk was teaming with Arn Anderson, he turned on him, you know, and this was against the public enemy. So he didn't beat the public enemy, and he had to get his brother, the only man he trusts, like you said, do it. So it's nice when continuity keeps going. This was also kind of left open-ended, because so, it was a non-title match. So there was no decisive winner, considering Paul E. counted and then Terry Funk counted. I love the Mikey Whipwreck gimmick and angle, and how he always retains, despite not doing anything. Rock and Rebel um, looked like a fucking beast. Destroying Mikey. God rest his soul. I guess. Amen. <laughs> the aftermatch shenanigan wasn't that enjoyable because it was like seven minutes of just beating down Taz. Even though it wasn't like a big name athlete like Cactus Jack, you know, it was still held towards the end of the card because it was a title match and treated as such. So I like that. Main event. Awesome. Kick a run. Cactus Jack Sabu. A lot of um, hardcore spots, which are always great. Table breaking, glass bottle breaking. I didn't enjoy how short it was, though. I was thinking, I mean, it was, I think it was only like 10 minutes or something. It was like 10, 15. 10, yeah. Probably, but I, think, I feel like it should have been like longer than the tag match. Yeah. Take fucking yeah. 10 minutes off that right. tag match yeah. and add it to the main event. I felt like I just was getting settled, ready to dig into my nachos, and the match was over. So... It put over both wrestlers, and it was heavily promoted. 
And the aftermatch promos were awesome because they each put each other over, which you should do in a promo. You shouldn't. I feel like it really just get yourself over. You should get the person you're facing over. That way, when you do beat them, or if you do beat them, it gets you over t- twice. I guess does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Again, only the TV title was defended. The heavyweight champ didn't look great. He was in a shitty match with a shitty person. The low production values and the fact that this copy was obviously heavily fucking taped over and over again led to it. It suffered. It was tough to like see through the tracking line and all that. But anyway, uh, they had the way better ring entrances, which I like. Music. Music. But you can hear Bob Artis like introdu- introducing the people. Entrance themes. Minus like the two jobbers, Chad Austin and Donnie <laughs> Allen. And really, little better production values. Like you can kind of hear the mic a little better. Um, better equipment. The only thing I guess was the uh, horribly dubbed version, which is like a victim of the tape trading circuit. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, right. New debuts, Hack Myers, looked great, loved him. Pitbull 2, Tony Durant. Two Pitbulls. Yeah. Better than one. So, just adding more fuel to the the Pitbull, Taz, Jason feud. Dory Funk, I guess he's new to the ECW world, so, I mean, he's been around, he's a former NWA champ, doesn't really need that. And then, good old Mick Foley, aka Cactus Jack. First time we've seen him. Won't be the last, guaranteed. My main man of the night. Hack Myers. Love him. I think he is the epitome of ECW. Wow. He's not very camera friendly. But he wrestles like he fucking means it. That's a bold statement. What, who, who did you like? Who's your favorite? I like the last match because of Sabu. You like Sabu? I did. That was your man of the night. Alright. Any other thoughts? Anything like that? I do not. Alright. So. You know, next up. What do we got? What do we got? Heat Wave 94. Hot. It's going to be July, I think? So, you can check us out on Facebook. You can listen to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Watch us on Vimeo or YouTube. And then if you want to help us out, defray some of the costs, you can check out our Patreon page. Other than that, join us next time as we reopen the Extreme Wrestling Archive. <laughs>